Welcome to Big Dave's Racing Podcast, sponsored by, well, we don't have a sponsor yet, but we'll have one soon. Till then, buckle up and get ready for the ride. It's been rumbling in Fort Wayne over the weekend, and NASCAR stars have been flipping in New Zealand. Also have the 2020 Monster Energy Supercross Series opening up this weekend with Anaheim 1. That and much more. This is coming up on Big Dave's Racing Podcast. Buckle up and get ready for the ride. Welcome to the all-new Tuesday edition of the Big Dave's Racing Podcast. When I started this podcast a few weeks ago, I thought Fridays might be the best day to drop a new podcast every week. However, I got to thinking about it, talking it over with a couple of buddies. I decided that dropping a podcast on Tuesday morning would probably be the best for my listeners. Racing season's starting up soon with the new year coming up, and I can share all the previous weekend's race results with you first thing Tuesday mornings. Also, if the race over the weekend, sometimes they get postponed to Monday. Uh, come Tuesday, I'll even have those race results for you. Um, so you have the most up-to-date racing news available. I really want to share all the results with you with all the series over the weekend. I want to talk to you about the news and the rumors uh, going on from that previous week leading up to the next week. I want to fill you on what's going to happen the next week, what's coming up on the race schedules. I want to try to provide you with the best information I can. And I feel like Tuesday podcast will be the best deal. And hopefully you all support me on that. And... I know it's a change. I just started this deal, but I, I think going along as we go out through this coming year uh, with the Big Dave's Racing Podcast, I think Tuesdays will be the best for everybody, and hopefully it's informative and you all enjoy listening to it, and you have something to look forward to on Tuesdays. Mondays aren't so great, but you know Tuesdays will get you out of the rut, and hopefully the Big Dave's Racing Podcast can do that. So I look forward to uh, starting this deal up, and hopefully uh, it works out for everybody. So let's dig into some news. In IndyCar news this week, Dragon Speed Racing has announced they plan on running a six-race schedule with the NTT IndyCar Series next year in the 2020 season. Uh, They plan on running St. Pete, Long Beach, Indy 500, Mid-Ohio, and Laguna Seca. Driver and sponsor announcements will be made after the new year. Um, It's a Chevrolet team. Who they'll have come and drive that car part-time, I don't know. Uh, Sebastian Bourdais, maybe. Uh, He's had ties with Honda. I don't see James Hinchcliffe going there. Uh, Probably be a young guy. I would say that it's probably going to be somebody that can bring some money along. So it will be interesting to see who ends up in that ride for next year. Maybe they'll go full-time if they have a good start to the year. Maybe not, but I guess we'll see. We got some IMSA news coming up this week. The Roar Before the 24 is coming up this week. January 3rd through the 5th with the sports cars testing and prepping at Daytona International Speedway. 
for IMSA's season opener, the Rolex 24 at Daytona on January 25th. Uh, this is exciting. I like hearing the cars going down there and testing at Daytona. NASCAR don't test at Daytona anymore, but it's kind of a good starter to get uh, some cars on the track down there because uh, January, February is a big month for Daytona Speedway, and the IMSA cars getting down there on track next. Uh, it will actually this coming this week. Um, later on this week will be exciting. Uh, hopefully I will keep up with the testing going on down there next week. I can give you all some test results and let you know who's fast, who's not. Uh, be interesting to see how the new Corvette performs down there, uh, with Jordan Taylor, uh, taking over one of the Corvette rides for Chevrolet and to see the new drivers with new teams and the combos and, and engines and chassis and all that. So it'll be really interesting to see how uh, testing goes this week. Um, be interesting to see how many uh, miles some of these teams log during the during the two three day tests they got going on and and as they prep for the season opener on the 25th. Um, it's gonna be excited. Rolex 24 always kind of starts off the daytona racing for me and i'm looking forward to it i always love that race i try to watch as many hours as i can and uh, it's getting me pumped up for race season so uh can't wait to see the cars on track down there in daytona got a little f1 news this week uh it was announced that charles leclerc has signed a deal with ferrari to keep him in the scuderia car for five more seasons through the 2024 season um that is a long-term deal in terms of f1 drivers usually you only see one to two year deals uh, with f1 as the drivers tend to rotate seats around at the different manufacturers and cars uh, throughout their career um, so in my opinion that really cements his future as uh, ferrari's new number one driver um, I know he gave Sebastian Vettel a run for his money this year. He actually got a few more wins than Sebastian did, and he led F1 this year in the poles that he won. I think he ended up with nine pole positions. So I think Sebastian Vettel's time is up. Um, I look for him to probably drive another year uh, for the Ferrari team, and I think they'll bring somebody else in. Uh, I know there's been talks with Hamilton. Um, will he leave Mercedes? I doubt it. There has been talks about uh, Max Verstappen going over to Ferrari, but I really don't see Red Bull letting him go. Um, so who will pair with Clark in the future, probably after 2021? I don't know, but Ferrari has decided to keep him on, and I think it's a good choice by him, by them because uh, he's a great young talent, and uh, he's going to be a future champion of the sport. So good news for Ferrari and Charles Leclerc. In this week's Supercross news, the 2020 Monster Energy Supercross season opens up this weekend on January 4th in Anaheim, California for Anaheim 1. This is the first event of 17 scheduled rounds this year. It's going to be a barn burner of a season. We've got a lot of young talent. Uh, we've got the 250 class. We've got the 450 class. In the 250 class, uh, there is some preseason rankings. I'm going to read off here. 
if I don't get their names right, correct me, but I'm going to try the best at pronunciation here. So, rank number one in preseason rankings is Austin Forkner on a Kawasaki. Dylan Ferrandis on a Yamaha. Chase Sexton will be on a Honda. Justin Cooper will be on a Yamaha. Colt Nichols will be on a Yamaha. Jordan Smith on a Kawasaki. We got Alex Martin in a Suzuki. Jet Lawrence on a Honda. Cameron Nakato on a Kawasaki. And Brandon Hartranth in a KTM. That is the top 10 power rankings for the 250 class and the preseason 2020 rankings. And we'll move on to the 450 Supercross preseason rankings. And this is no surprise, but at number one, we got Eli Tomac on the Monster Energy Kawasaki, Cooper Webb and the KTM, Ken Roxon and the Honda, Adam Cicinarello and the Kawasaki. We got Jason Anderson on the Husqvarna, Zach Osborne on the Husqvarna, we got Justin Barsha for JGR, Joe Gibbs Racing on the Yamaha, Malcolm Sturt's going to be on a Honda, Blake Baggett on the KTM, and we got the privateer Dean Wilson on the Husqvarna ride. So that is the top 10 preseason rankings for the 450 Supercross class. Um, let's dig into it a little bit. Can Cooper Webb on the factory KTM ride defend his 2019 championship in the Monster Energy Supercross Series. Last year it was a battle between him, Eli Tomac, Roxon got hurt again. We'll see what happens. Uh, can Ken Roxon finally stay healthy and win a Supercross Championship this year on the Honda? Uh, that Honda team is now, uh, the Geico Honda team is now co-owned by uh, Ryan Dungey, former KTM factory rider, won several Supercross championships, so it'll be interesting to see how Roxon and that team delivers on the Honda. Roxon's been fast. Uh, kind of a dark horse here is that Adam Cincerello, Sins, uh, or Cincerello, I can't even say his name. I'm sorry, folks, but he's on the Monster Energy Kawasaki. He was really good on the 250 bikes, um, really talented rider. He got hurt when he's really young. Uh, he struggled with some health issues, but I really think that this kid could uh, come up and and his full first full Supercross season and be a contender for the title if he can stay healthy. That's the way it is with all these drivers. Staying healthy is the main thing. So I will. I'm looking forward to the season. It starts Saturday night in Anaheim one. It's a West Coast race. It's going to start late for here on the East Coast. Uh, but I plan on staying up for it, watching it all. Always exciting. I always feel like Supercross Anaheim 1 starts up my racing season, period. Uh, starts off early in the year, and I'm looking forward to it. So next week, I'll share the results of Anaheim 1, who come out on top in the West 250 West Division, and who come out on the 450 bikes and... We're going to set the season up and see what kind of uh, season we're going to have. So look forward to that next week. In this week's Dirt News, uh, we're going to be covering the Gateway Dirt Nationals. I know I didn't have a podcast on Friday, but uh, it was the previous weekends. Uh, it wasn't this past weekend, but the previous weekend. 
I talked about uh, going into it on the last podcast, but the Gateway Dirt, Dirt Nationals was definitely a barn burner. Tyler Carpenter nabbed the big $30,000 check on Saturday, December 21st, beating Brandon Shepard to the line in a photo finish. It was a very popular win for Carpenter as the fans went wild after the race. Congrats to the Kryptonite race car teams for on getting the, they also got the Friday night preliminary win and the big check on Saturday night. Uh, huge win for Tyler Carpenter. A lot of people really never knew, uh, didn't really know who he was. I know following Twitter, there's a ton of people, big name racing people that didn't know who he was. Uh, if I recall right, I think he's from Virginia or West Virginia. Um, his dad, Freddie Carpenter, uh, they they own uh, Kryptonite Race Cars, is a late model chassis builder. They don't build a ton of chassis, but they do uh, supply some late model chassis. And they're trying to get their name on the map. And, and Tyler's, Tyler's good. He's a really good regional racer. And he seems to do really good on these little bull rings. Uh, last year at Gateway, I thought uh, he might turn some heads because he, he run really good, just didn't have the luck. Uh, but this year, he went in there, got the win on Friday night, and then come out Saturday and really, really had a good showing and put on a good race. Uh, earned a lot of fans. Glad to see it for Tyler Carpenter. Uh, in my opinion, he's a really talented young driver. Uh, what his team could do if they had uh, more of a financial backing, uh, who knows? Uh, I'd love to see Tyler on a on a, on a tour, uh, you know, either a Lucas Oil Late Model Tour or the World of Outlaw Late Model Series Tour, but uh, I think he's really good, and I think he could he could do good on a tour. Um, will that ever happen? I don't know. Hopefully this performance at Gateway uh, open up some owner's eyes and stuff, and, and maybe he'll get that opportunity one of these days, but I really think Tyler's a great driver, and I'm glad to see it for him and his family pick up such a big win uh beat all the all of the big uh big dirt racing teams uh gateway such a big event that's that's huge for them so congrats to that that team um they also had the the midgets there uh gateway and the feature it was a hotly contested race and kyle larson took the checkered flag on that deal for a ten thousand dollar payday uh, Kyle and a midget is just tough no matter where he goes. Uh, he'll be tough at the Chili Bowl coming up next month. Uh, but yeah, he got the, the checkered flag at, on the midget feature at Gateway. And then the, the modified feature was won by Derek Losh. He picked up a $10,000 payday as well. So Gateway Dirt Nationals, I really think it's uh, really too small of a track for late models to be on. But... They put on a hell of a show this year. Uh, the Midgets always put on a great show. The Modifieds, uh, they put on a good show too. So kudos to the Gateway Dirt National people. Uh, they put on a hell of a show this year and look forward to next year. Maybe I'll be able to get out there next year for it. Uh, it's not too far from the house here, four or five hour ride. But hey, it's fun had by all and had some good winners. And hopefully next year will be bigger. Um, last weekend, this past weekend, the 2019 Hangover race was held at 411 Speedway in Tennessee. Um, saw Donald McIntosh take the $5,000 winner's check 
uh, leading flag to flag in the 40 lap event. Uh, this is Donald's fourth win in this particular event, and he was followed by Jackie Boggs, Corey Hedgecock, Ryla Hickman, and Logan Robertson. Uh, Lucas Lee won the modified portion of the event, and the old-timer Ronnie Johnson won the crate portion of the event. And then, also this week, I know we talked about Supercross, but it is already starting up uh, for the World of Outlaw Late Mile Championship. Their season starts this weekend uh, in the inaugural battle at the border at New Mexico's brand new, I think it's called Vado or Vado Speedway Park, uh, January 2nd through the 5th. January 2nd, I think it's a test day. They'll race on the 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Uh, the Outlaws will hit the track in New Mexico for a night of practice on Thursday, January 2nd, and follow that up with three straight nights of points racing action Friday saturday and sunday friday and saturday night will feature 30 lap 5,000 to win main events while saturday's headlining or i'm sorry sunday's headlining show boasts a 75 lap event 15,000 win feature i think this is going to be a huge start for the outlaws uh this weekend out in new mexico new track you got Brandon Shepard defending his World of All Late Mile Series championship from last year. You got the Bloomer cars joining in on the battle this year in the championship. You got Scott Bloomquist going to run full time. You got Chris Madden going to drive the Bloomquist car. And you also got um, Ricky Weiss, who is the rookie of the year last year in the World of All Late Miles. So you're going to have him. He's in a Bloomquist car. And then Daryl Lanigan is going to be driving full-time in the World of Outlaw Late Mile Series uh, this coming year. He'll be in a new Viper Motorsports entry, number 29 car. It will be the Barry Wright Icon Chassis uh, house car, uh, along with several others. Um, I really think that the World of Outlaw Late Mile schedule and the series this year is going to be really good. Uh, you know, all these guys, especially with Bloomer moving over there and Chris Madden returning uh, and Brandon Shepard, I, I think that this season is going to be spectacular. Excited to see what happens this week at uh, Vado Speedway Park. And I will definitely share the results with you all next week and let you all know how the World of Outlaw Late Model Series uh, season got started this past weekend. So... Or this, this coming weekend. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and I think that is all the dirt news this week. But we'll have plenty more next week. In Sprint and Midget Car news this past weekend, uh, the 22nd annual Rumble in Fort Wayne was run. Over 100 drivers competed in more than 100 qualifying races heat races, last chance races, and features on the indoor paved track inside the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum and Expo, Expo Center in Fort Wayne. Uh, they run midgets, non-wing dirt 600 mini sprints, outlaw, modified wings midgets. Uh, they got go-karts, quarter midgets. It's a glorified big go-kart track in the Coliseum. I've seen it. It's concrete. I don't think it's actual asphalt. It's slick looking. It's got a shine to the surface. It takes rubber. Uh, Tony Stewart's been going up there for years. Uh, he swept 
both races in the midget category on Friday and Saturday night. They are $2,000 to win features. Uh, and with those two wins over the weekend, that was his seventh and eighth win uh, at the annual event in Fort Wayne. Um, great little racing up there. It's right after Christmas every year. I think it's fun had by all. Uh, so yeah, be interesting. Uh, maybe I'll get up there one of these years and watch that just to, just to see what it's like. And also, the Chili Bowl's coming up. As everybody knows, the Chili Bowl Midget Nationals. Uh, for the sixth year in a row, it will feature over 300 entries. Currently, there are 328 entries in the 34th running of the annual classic at the Tulsa Expo Hall in Oklahoma. The race first surpassed the 300 entry mark in 2015 and hasn't looked back since. The 2020 running will feature former winners, including Christopher Bell, Rico Abreu, Sammy Swindell, Tim McCready, Tracy Hines. Uh, in addition, Kyle Larson returns looking for his first win after a most disappointing near victory in 2019. Uh, Larson dominated the A-Main in the race before Bell, Chris Bell surpassed him on the final corner to take his third consecutive Golden Driller Trophy. Uh, the week-long event is scheduled to run from Monday, January 13th to Alphabet Soup Day on Saturday, January 18th. Huge event. The Chili Bowl Nationals, they've been televising it. It's always great to watch those cars. It's like the perfect venue for midget cars indoors little dirt track uh, i think it's even better than the gateway dirt nationals that they just run a couple weeks ago um, but those cars are so fun to watch they have put together such a great event out there at the chili bowl nationals you get all these different drivers from all these different countries all these different states um, it's really fun you see nascar guys you see uh NHRA guys and the Pedregons, you you see all kinds of people that just love to go out there and race these midget cars, and they put on a hell of a show. Um, they got quite the fan base out there in Oklahoma. You get people from all over the states to come out to Oklahoma and spend the week watching racing. Uh, personally, I'd love to go out there one of these days. Uh, I've got a few buddies that's been out there. So it's spectacular, but yeah. That event, looking forward to it. Looking forward to watching it on TV. Uh, looking forward to Saturday, January the 18th. And, and when it happens, I'll share all the, the news with you, the results. And you'll find all that on Big Dave's Racing Podcast. In this week's NASCAR news, uh, starting off with some sad stuff. And I found out after I had uh, released my podcast uh, uh week ago this past Friday that uh, Junior Johnson, uh, renowned uh, NASCAR driver, owner, Hall of Famer, uh, had passed away at age 88. Um, I'm not a writer or anything, but I found this uh, posted by Zach Albert on NASCAR.com uh, on December 20th. I'm going to read you uh, pretty, much, uh, pretty much what sums up uh, Junior Johnson. Uh, Junior Johnson, a stock car racing giant whose career spanned the sport's history from its moonshining roots to its modern era as a fierce, hard-nosed driver and innovative mechanic and team owner, has died. He was aged 88. 
He had been in declining health and entered hospice care earlier um, that week. Uh, his wife, uh, Lisa, told the New York Times that Johnson had Alzheimer's disease as well. Uh, Johnson was inducted into NASCAR Hall of Fame in its inaugural class of 2010. He won 50 races in NASCAR's top division, the most of any driver without a championship, and added 132 victories and six championships as a successful team owner for many legends of the sport. Uh, Johnson won a second running of the Daytona 500 in 1960, then added two more triumphs in the Great American Race as a car owner in 1969 and 1977. His all-out style, honed from years of hauling illegal liquor at breakneck, breakneck speeds through the North Carolina foothills, took a toll on his competitors and his own equipment, earning him a rep reputation as the hardest of hard chargers. Johnson was also known as the Wilkes County Wildman and heralded as the last American hero after a brilliant 1965 essay in Esquire magazine by author Tom Wolfe. My thoughts on Junior Johnson, um, he's a great, great guy. Um, hate to see him uh, pass away. He had really brought up a lot of drivers in NASCAR when he became an owner. Uh, he had lots of great drivers that drove for him. He had Neil Bonnet, Daryl Watcher, Bill Elliott. I can go on and on and on. He had several great drivers, Sterling Marlin, uh, other guys that drove for him. And he really brought a lot to NASCAR. Uh, he was an old moonshiner. Um, got caught bootlegging. Spent some time in the uh, Chillicothe, Ohio State Prison. Uh, back in, I think, the 50s or 60s. He spent a couple years in prison, I think. Um, he was uh, pardoned by President Reagan in the 80s. Um, so, I mean, honestly, bootlegging back in the day, that's something that they all did. He was just unluckily got caught. Um, he could have done a lot worse thing to, to end up serving some prison time, in my opinion. But, yeah, uh, he's a great guy, definitely, uh, an innovator. Uh, one thing I always thought was cool about Junior Johnson is, is, you know, watching a bunch of races in the 80s and 90s and stuff, he was a really a, a hands-on car owner. Uh, you'd see him uh, calling the shots on the pit stops. He'd be out there adjusting wedge on the car, cleaning the grill, changing tires, putting fuel in. He'd clean the windshield. You know, Junior Johnson did it all. Uh, and when he ran his teams, he ran his teams with uh, his team with authority and expected nothing but the best out of his guys and his drivers and that i mean 132 victories and six championships as a team owner um what else i mean that's nothing else to say about it i mean he he was definitely great uh definitely deserving to be in the nascar hall of fame's inaugural class in 2010 uh so yeah, um, he will be definitely be missed, but Junior Johnson's legacy will definitely live on. He is truly a legend of the sport.
so thoughts and prayers to his family on his passing. Um, but Junior Johnson will live on in the sport of NASCAR. Very important guy. Um, also, we got Darlington Raceway announced that they're going to celebrate NASCAR's champions, past, present, and future, for their throwback weekend uh, next year. Um, they will be the first race of the 2020 NASCAR Cup Series playoffs. I don't know the exact date. I'm pretty sure it's like Memorial Day weekend. Um, I love the throwback weekend that they've been doing. Uh, so it'll be the sixth year. Uh, I like how they do the old paint schemes from the drivers back in the day. Um, back when NASCAR started to, you know, I think they did the 90s last year or early 2000s or something like I don't know exactly what they did last year, but there's always some cool paint schemes and, and the teams get in on it and wear retro uniforms and stuff like that. Uh, Really cool weekend. Um, I guess I really don't understand this throwback weekend uh, this year. Um, past, present, and future. I can see the past um, champions, but <laughs> and present. I guess if you're talking about active drivers and stuff, but future. I don't know how you can predict predict the future and future NASCAR champions. So I don't know how you can really celebrate the future champions. So yeah, I guess I really don't get it. Um, I'm not that smart anyway, so maybe I'm not supposed to get it, but I guess we'll find out uh, later on next year what they're talking about. Um, Kyle Larson and Christopher Bell has both taken some nasty wild flips uh, running their midget cars down at Spring Speedway in New Zealand over the past week. Uh, those two usually head down to New Zealand uh, before the new year and like to do some midget racing down there. And uh, I saw both these wrecks um, on YouTube. Uh, Larson's was really nasty. Uh, he thought he had a car cleared. He didn't. He hit the wall head on, turned, flipped violently going down the straightaway. I don't know how many times he flipped in the air, barrel road, but it was a lot. Um, he ended up on his side. Um, they helped him out. Uh, he gingerly got out of the race car. Uh, and then he laid down on the ground. Uh, they helped him to an ambulance, and they did transport him to the local hospital for further evaluation uh, for blurry vision. Um, but he was later released, and he actually tweeted the next day that um, he actually didn't feel too bad after that. Um, so that was good to hear. Uh, Chris Bell had another nasty wreck. I didn't think it was as bad as uh, um, Kyle Larson's, but... Um, after that one, he decided that he was going to forego the rest of his midget racing in New Zealand and return back to the States early. Um, now, Chris Bell, they, uh, the rumors were flying that uh, Joe Gibbs Racing had, had called down there and said, hey, that's enough. You need to lay off. Quit doing that. Um, we don't want you to get hurt. So there was uh, rumors that... Uh, NASCAR team intervened with his uh, racing plans and and told him he had to come back. Uh, then Chris Bell actually got on the media and said, hey, you know, it was my decision. Um, no NASCAR team ordered me to do so. So whether I believe that or not, I don't know. But 
I could see Joe Gibbs being a little uh, paranoid because Chris Bell is going to run for the uh, Rookie of the Year next year in a 95 uh, Levine Racing family car uh, with Joe Gibbs Racing support. So, I don't know. Chris Bell leave on his own. I guess we'll never know. But, um, yeah, the NASCAR owners, I know Ganassi, I know uh, Gibbs, anybody uh that has our guys race extracurricular races they know the risk that's involved um and i think you know that's why one thing with hendrick you don't see any of his guys racing anything besides nascar events but yeah i guess glad to see they're both okay and both gonna live on to race another day um also uh announced a couple weeks ago cole pern uh, former crew chief for Martin Truex uh, Jr. Um, it didn't take him fine, uh, long to find something to do uh, after his NASCAR career as Cole and his wife took ownership of Golden Alpine Holiday Ski Resort and a backcountry skiing and hike, hiking vacation company near uh, Golden, British Columbia. Uh, Cole and his wife are both from Canada. I uh, read an article this week saying, hey, you know, me and my wife, we want to raise our kids in Canada. Uh, they need something to do. So this uh, opportunity came about to own a, a ski resort. And they took the opportunity. They were able to do it. So kudos to them. Um, wish them nothing but the best. I'm sure he will get uh, some NASCAR clientele come up to the Golden Alpines holidays to uh, do some skiing in the off season, but uh, glad for them. Hopefully uh, their business turns out good and and they have good luck in the future. And also I got a little Jacques Villeneuve uh, news here um, as far as NASCAR. Him and uh, Patrick Lamare, I guess is his name, L-E-M-A-R-I-E. Uh, they are gonna field a couple cars in the NASCAR Euro Series in 2020. Uh, Jacques will actually be the driver of the number five car, and Patrick will share the number six car with a 17-year-old Belgian, uh, Simon Pilate. Um NASCAR Euro Series uh, has been gaining popularity in the last few years, along with the Penty Series up in Canada and the Mexico Series down uh, in, obviously, Mexico. Um, yeah, it, it, I think it's a good thing. For the NASCAR Euro Series, getting a former uh, Formula One championship uh, champion and Jacques Villeneuve involved in the series, um, I, I think that they're putting on some good shows. I don't know all the tracks that they go to, um, but the cars look kind of sort of like what they drive in the the states. But yeah, uh, maybe maybe I'll be able to catch some races on TV this year. That series. Um, they seem to do a lot more street road courses and and more of that than they do ovals. Of course, uh, you know, ovals is not as popular as they are in the States as uh, they are in other countries. Other countries think that only racing there is is on a road course. So be interesting to see how Jacques Villeneuve does in the number five car next year. Can he win a championship? Uh, he's getting a little older and, and he's not a spring chicken anymore, so... I guess we'll find out. Also, I uh, got a reminder that the Daytona 500 is only 47 days away. Uh, 
I'm really excited. I can't wait for NASCAR season to get fired up. Um, actually, it's only 40 days away from the Bush Clash that will be uh, happening on that Sunday before, along with Daytona qualifying, uh, 500 qualifying on that Sunday as well. Um, but yeah, Daytona's coming around the corner. It will be here before you know it. That's definitely for sure. All right, and I have been talking about this next-gen car for a while, um, talking about how it's been tested a few times, once at Richmond, once at uh, Phoenix, and read an article uh, from Auto Week's uh, Stephen Cole Smith. Um, he has a comprehensive look at what is currently known and what isn't about NASCAR's efforts with a next-gen car that will debut in the 2021 season. Um, and here are a few notes from his article. Uh, the bottom line is NASCAR needs more manufacturers and closer competition. Um, that's where the next-gen car comes in. I'm not sure if I agree with they need more manufacturers. Uh, I do agree they need closer competition. But is this the way to go? I guess we'll find out. But here's some of the talking points uh, regarding the new car. Um, like the IMSA prototypes, uh, the next-gen car will have an independent rear suspension, which pretty much all street cars now have independent rear suspension. Uh, they've been running the 9-inch forward rear end in stock cars for years and years and years and years. It's not independent suspension. Um, this will be a game-changer, I would say, in handling. Uh, it's probably going to be a lot more responsive, make the car corner a lot faster. Um, is this the right direction to go on a prototype uh, with a prototype type rear suspension? Uh, I guess, you know, race on Sunday, sell on Monday. You know, you don't sell a, a solid rear end axle car on Mondays anymore. So, yeah, I guess if you want to keep stock car and stock, stock car racing, you know, I guess you need to go that direction. Uh, we'll see how that works out, but I did kind of mention in the past that the the next-gen car is kind of looking like a cross between a stock car and a, and a uh, GT Daytona Le Mans series car and the IMSA series. So, uh, yeah, and Goodyear's moving from the current 15-inch tire and wheel to much uh, wider, low-profile 18-inch wheels and tires. Um, I do like that move. I think it's that's good. Um, get rid of the old 15-inch stuff. Bring on the new stuff. Uh, pretty much all series runs at lower profile uh, tires and wheels. Uh, I know Formula One will be moving to that. Uh, not next year, but the 2021 season. Uh, they've been doing some testing on the low profile 18-inch wheel stuff. So, yeah, I think I think that's a good move. Um, and in the name of safety, refueling is expected to be accompanied by a clamp-on refueling hose rather than a crewman lugging a gas cylinder uh, around. Um, a practice that also mirrors IMSA, IndyCar, um, you know, basically a ton of different series. Uh, this, I don't know, it's, it's going to look weird, but... Uh, so yeah, pretty much it's like an indie car fueling system. They they clamp a uh, a hose. Uh, they got a tank, and then they got a long hose running from the tank that's in the pit pit 
in the pit and uh, they jump across the wall and they plug it directly into the fuel cylinder into the fuel tank and and dump fuel in the tank and and then they release the clamp and and it's got its own ventilation system and everything uh do i think that's good takes away yeah you know i guess uh i guess we'll find out uh and, and none of this is set in stone it's just ideas they're coming up with and I guess what they're looking at doing for 2021, but yeah, the refueling deal, you know, that's fine. Uh, I'm fine with that. Uh, both the new suspension and the new tire wheel combo illustrates the point of the next gen car, the track specific notes and setups that veteran teams like Hendrick Gibbs, Penske, uh, you throw all that stuff in the trash now because that won't matter any of the specific experience with fuel mileage and fuel management and even pit stop stuff um, you're going to be able to throw all that away uh, it's going to create a once in a lifetime opportunity for new manufacturers to jump in because this is the most level nascar cup series playing field will ever get you know the rules are so tight as it is between all the manufacturers i mean i don't know how much more level you can get it um but i, I guess they think they can do so um they say the next gen car will have a hybrid aspect possibly a single unit common not only to nascar but imsa prototypes and possibly even indycar really don't know what they're talking about this uh hybrid aspect a uh, single unit I hope we're not talking about a uh, engine. Um, not sure what they're going to do about the engine stuff. Um, I think I talked about it in a couple podcasts ago, but I don't know what they're going to do there. Um, the existing four-speed H pattern manual transmission manual transmissions that's been used for years and years and years in NASCAR um, that's going to be replaced by a, sequ- a sequential transmission. Uh, likely a six-speed. Um, yeah, I don't know about this one. This one's this one's a little weird because, um, man, those four-speeds they've been using them for years. Uh, if they go to the sequential transmission, uh, six-speed, uh, are they are they just going to have paddle shifting now? Are they going to get rid of the uh, the shifting lever altogether? Or they're gonna have something like, and this this sequential transmission that's more like a, a GT type car anyway. You know, they just push up to shift the gears down the uh, down the to downshift. Uh, I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens there. Uh, I don't know. That that's just a different change too. Uh, and the biggest change of all. Um, and I've talked about this one before, is the one supplier sourcing of the chassis for every team. Uh, a spec chassis that everybody's going to use. All these different teams right now, they have their own chassis shops. They build their own specific chassis. Yes, they're all certified by NASCAR. They have to be inspected by NASCAR before they can race them. Um, I don't know the true difference between a, a chassis that Gibbs builds to a chassis that Hendricks builds to a chassis that Penske builds or, or, or Roush Racing builds. Um, I'm sure there's some differences, but I would say 80 to 90% of the chassis probably going to be the same on all the cars since they have 
such tight specs uh, between across the board between all the manufacturers and NASCAR as it is. So uh, that one will be different for sure. I don't agree with uh, one thing that I did here is Joe Gibbs Racing uh, put their name in the hat to bid on this supplier sourcing job uh, for the chassis. I don't agree with that. I don't think that um, a particular team should be able to supply chassis to all the teams competing in that uh, series. Um, I think uh, Delara has been thrown away, uh, thrown around as being a supplier for the spec chassis. Uh, they build the IndyCar uh, chassis and they build uh, prototypes and uh, they even build, uh, I think they build the um, Formula One cars for Haas. Uh, so they've got a, they're huge in racing, Delara is, uh, but, and I would be fine with them supplying, but I don't think another team should be able to supply for the other teams. Um, and, and the thing about this whole next gen thing is people don't realize how many jobs are going to be lost in the racing teams because all these teams got, you know, these fab shops, these chassis shops and all that. And going to a spec chassis, that's going to wipe all that away. You're going to have hundreds and hundreds of people lose their jobs, um, which is sad. Uh, I guess if you don't have Delara do the chassis, what I would probably not be opposed to is NASCAR setting up their own spec manufacturing chassis shop and, and them hiring all these people from these chassis shops and and letting them build the chassis uh and then nascar sells the spec chassis to the teams or provides them to the teams you know nascar's got enough money uh and this is this is supposed to bring the competition closer and it's supposed to make the cost lower for lower tier teams and stuff but when you're talking about changing out the, the suspension, the transmission, uh, the spec chassis, you know, the initial cost for this whole project is going to be astronomical. Uh, in the long run, will it save money? I don't know. It might. Will it? I mean, they've always done these cost-saving deals. Has it really saved the team's money? No, because they usually find another way to spend the money. Or how they can spend the money on something else to make him go faster. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't understand how they're going to really get um, where they're going to save teams money off starting off the bat, uh, just with all these different changes. Because pretty much the way they're talking is you can pretty much take what they're going to race this this coming year and just cover it up, put it on the shelf, throw it in a junkyard, whatever. Because you're not going to be able to use it again. Uh, in, in NASCAR Cup Series. And then, uh, who will we see on twenty in on the track in 2021? Obviously, we're going to see Ford, Chevrolet, and Toyota. Um, but is Honda going to be there? Is BMW going to be there? Is Hyundai going to be there? Mercedes-Benz, Volkswagens? I don't know. Um, they're thinking it's going to bring some of those guys along. They're thinking it's going to bring Honda along. Uh, they're thinking it might bring Mercedes-Benz along, uh, Volkswagen. I don't know. 
NASCAR to me, Cup Series, I just don't see a Volkswagen running in the series. I just don't see a BMW NASCAR Cup car. I mean, I just it just don't roll off the tongue right. Not like a NASCAR Ford Cup car, or Ford Mustang, or Chevy Chevy Camaro, or the uh, I mean, the Camrys never really rolled off the tongue for me. The Toyota Camry, but um, <laughs> that's just kind of odd as it is. But Toyota's done a lot of good for the sport. I mean, I'll give them that. Uh, they don't have a true racing car, but uh, brand like the the Camaro and the Mustang. But you know, they have done good, good for NASCAR and racing. Um, so yeah, I, what's going to happen with the whole next gen thing? I guess we're just going to find out later. Uh, hopefully, it's good. Um, hopefully, they don't get in over their heads and and do something that they shouldn't have done. Because uh, NASCAR seems to make, I mean, everybody makes mistakes, but I think what they've tried to do in the past has just not worked, and they keep on going in the wrong direction, and they're like, oh, well, let's just start off from scratch. And hopefully it's not too much for the teams to undertake um, for 2021. Hopefully that the teams, uh, you know, and if anything, maybe they can kind of develop it over the over the next few years, you know, not just next year. You know, go in and say, hey, we're going to do it the, this for this year, and we're going to add this for the next year, and then we're going to add that for the next year. Um, kind of help cut up the cost a little bit or something like that. But I don't know. We'll find out. But um, looking through my notes here, I think I have cover, covered everything NASCAR related. And I think with that, I think we're I think that's all for NASCAR. So we'll see what we got next week. Well folks, that wraps up this week's episode of Big Dave's Racing Podcast. I hope you all enjoyed the show. Hope you all have a good week and I'll see y'all next Tuesday. <laughs>